Greetings, listeners and fellow Star Wars fans. This is the Trench Run Report, and I will be your host today as we jump into this segment. My name is Aaron Russo, and as always, I'm here with my fellow co-hosts. Justin Gray, standing by. David Brooklander, standing by. Sean McCannelly, standing by. All right, and this is another segment of the Bad Batch Meetings, where we are doing our ongoing weekly coverage of the Bad Batch episodes. Today we'll be covering Season 1, Episode 3, titled Replacements. But first, the disclaimer, we will be going into full detail, so if you didn't watch the episode that we're covering yet, please do not listen to this podcast. We do not want to be held responsible for spoiling the episode for you, so please do go watch the episode and then come back and listen to the podcast, because we will be going into spoiler territory. All right, since Justin was our point last week, he is going to do the run-through or recap for Season 1, Episode 3, The Replacements. Take it away, Justin. The Bad Batch and Omega get stranded on a moon, and after the Ordo Moon Dragon steals their ship's power source, Hunter and Omega set out to retrieve it. Hunter is incapacitated, prompting Omega to continue the hunt alone. She tracks the dragon and manages to retrieve the power source. On Camino, Admiral Rampart introduces Tarkin to his unit of conscripted soldiers who will be commanded by Crosshair. Tarkin sends them to Onderon to wipe out Guerrera's camp. They do, though Guerrera escapes. Tarkin is impressed and sees the potential for the conscripted soldiers. This worries Lamassu, who plans to ensure Camino stays relevant to the Empire. All right, so that kind of summarizes just the plot points for the episode. And so we're going to go straight into our likes and dislikes about the episode, each one of us. So we will kick it off with Sean. All right, well, I have to say my, my takeaway from this one is pretty mixed. Um, I think that the core, I guess the core story would actually, in my mind in this episode, be the crosshair story with the recruits, hence the name of the episode. And I thought that was strong. That was good. Um, I actually thought that that story could have been the B plot of the last episode, and they could have skipped the entire moon thing this episode, and they could have had the cut sequence from last time be the main plot, and then in the background we're seeing what's going on parallel to that to build some of that tension of, like I said last time, we didn't see anything with Crosshair in the last episode, what he was up to. Um, there was no sense of urgency or danger that our heroes were in any peril but this would have built up that so I felt like the moon plot was just so it felt like the the third episode of season two of Mandalorian with the ice planet it was just kind of crash on a moon encounter some kind of creature and overcome your obstacle and then move on you know so I didn't like that part of it I thought it was kind of boring and too dark like you could barely see anything I, did, I don't know if it was just the way my phone was at that time but um you know I don't think we really got much of anywhere with the characters on that, but I really, it is really intriguing what's going on with Crosshair being um, full-on war criminal at this point. I mean, he was, they pretty much put the stark difference between the entire argument of, you know, what is a good soldier, does a good soldier always follow orders, um, versus like the humanity of the stormtrooper. What's the right philosophy? What's the right way to go on this? You know, Crosshair's mission was to kind of eliminate any resistance that he encountered or any rebels. And the one guy who had the heart was like, nah, like we need to, you know, do prisoners of war, follow different rules of engagement. And obviously Crosshair just murdered those people and then had them, 
then he murdered that guy, and then he murdered had his, the rest of his crew murder the rest of them. So um, that's pretty dark stuff, actually. I mean, I don't think that they could have pulled that off if this was on um, Disney XD or um, Disney Channel, like originally, because it's on Disney Plus and it's kind of intense for you know a nine year old or something, but um, pretty dark material. But they all definitely look cool. Um, I don't think we have names for any of these recruits yet. Um, or any kind of backstory, and I don't know if they're going to go there, if it's, like, the Bad Batch versus this other batch, you know? Like, are they going to be, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, are we going to get any kind of sympathy for these other characters or not? Um, or what, like, where do they come from? The one guy kind of alluded to, you know, he likes having the three square meals and shelter and pay or whatever, and that's more than the Republic ever gave him. Like, that's curious. I'm kind of curious to hear about it, because, like, what did the Republic have other than the clones? Like, were there other soldiers in the Republic fighting in the Clone Wars that weren't clones? And can we unpack that a little bit? That I hope they go there with that. So that was like I guess that's my combination of likes and dislikes overall. Is I didn't like the I guess the main plot, and I liked the side plot of of Crosshair and that team. Was it clear that that guy who said that was a soldier before he got into the Empire? I guess he wasn't a soldier. I guess he just said that's more than the Republic ever gave me. Okay. So he was like mm-hmm. disillusioned with the Republic, which means he might have been coming from a Separatist world or something, where he was a sympathizer with the Separatists. Which, or just some disgruntled yeah, citizen like, of the yeah, Republic or yeah. something. Yeah. Which would make sense. That would be a well of people you could draw on for recruits if you're an Empire. Is It's like, well, I don't know. Is that weird? Right? If, if the Empire is, or if the Republic has turned into the Empire, um, wouldn't anyone who was mad at the Republic, why would they suddenly like the Empire? I don't know. Um, yeah, that, I just want to unpack that and mm-hmm. learn these people, learn their backstories a little more. Like, that's what I found intriguing. I didn't find anything intriguing going on with Omega and crew and the so, so disliked the whole moon sequence and liked everything else yeah I mean it's like predictable and it's like right. we know she's not really in trouble we know that you know that his mask when it comes off he's not in any peril like you just you know everything's gonna turn out okay and you're just like okay let's get on with it you know? <laughs> like, let's get back on track because we crashed on this moon we'll get back on track you know it's like where are we going all those questions were unanswered still from the last episode all right, I will just, we're just going to go clockwise. So uh, I will jump in um, and do my likes and dislikes. Um, what I liked about the episode, I think in many ways it does lend itself to looking at the two different storylines because they are so separate and handled so distinctly. Um, so I, I love, I mean, the whole throughput of Crosshair and, and how he's being manipulated and... Um, I think that the way they're handling his character in particular is super interesting because like he's a monster but they make it very clear like he can't help it mm-hmm. there's that scene where they, they put him in the whatever that looks like an MRI again mm-hmm. and, they're, and they're like turn it up like you know really crank up his inhibitor chip like you know like I think that's what they're implying and like they just are terrible he's like this like experiment just this person that they're just taking and and turning into a killing machine and I, I was somebody touched on like that it had like almost like winter soldier vibes like uh, where it's like you just true. take this guy and just turn him into just a fighting toy. machine yeah like and, and like it's like like and like the whole point of winter soldier right, is like it's like he's not even himself right like there's he's to the point where it's like he can't you can't even hold him accountable for what he's doing but at the same time he is doing these terrible terrible things and I think that the way that the show is handling his character in particular is just pretty intense pretty dark um and i really like i like how 
he's like the focal point of that imperial storyline and how he kind of is like the the linchpin of like the debate about clones versus stormtroopers and then also the central debate around you know free will versus following orders versus literally being forced to follow orders through like this inhibitor chip like so i love that storyline is just that storyline to me like what i like about that storyline is it's just completely and thoroughly star wars like it just feels like star wars storytelling Mm -hmm. um you know you have tarkin and you have all those things and like that throughput is really 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 good um so i loved the scenes yeah i think i think that this my favorite sequence would have been the sequence on onderon when when he brings the troops there and it's like that was intense and yeah definitely not disney like the, the scene where 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 they just so, show crosshair looking off in the distance you know you know and you hear the guns and the flamethrower mm-hmm. go off i mean that's about as dark as it gets without showing it mm-hmm. right like and that's pretty dark and i think that that's an acknowledgement i think one of the things that's really interesting and that i like about this episode and about the series so far is that um i think clone wars and rebels kind of like they tried to pretend it was a kid's show initially and then they were like never mind we're just gonna do like serious stuff this is like no we're just going right in this is for grown-ups like you know there's kid stuff going on here but like this is this is for the whole audience and i think that storyline is really powerful um so i loved those sequences um, and the, the questions that it raises, and I and I love that it's showing, it's telling the story that we've never seen. We we have we have what Vader's doing in this time sequence in the comics, and we have other things, but we've never seen like like what do the Kaminoans do? Like the like because basically the Kaminoans debate is how do we stay in business? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> how do we how do we not go out of business? Yeah. There's no war for us to profit from anymore in the sense that that they're client it doesn't exist anymore um all of that super fascinating to me um what i disliked about the episode um would be similar to sean i think the point that i really started to lose my interest in that storyline about the moon was that there's that whole sequence where like it's like well everybody nobody else can go and they're like and like, well, Omega wants to go. And he's like, no, it's too dangerous. And he's like, oh, come on. And they're like, yeah, okay. <laughs> the little kid can come with me outside <laughs> into this. <laughs> like, I was like, my first reaction when I first saw that the first time I watched the episode was, what? <laughs> like, you are going to take the kid with you? That seems super irresponsible to me. Like, I, I just didn't, I didn't get, like, that didn't feel like, okay. Mm-hmm. And then, and of course, like, on top of that, like you said, Sean, there's no peril. I mean, like... I have no concern that either of those characters is going to die. Um, I thought that sequence came across as predictable and more kid, kid, mm-hmm. kiddish. Like that was for the kids part, like that thing. But I do like that it continued to show what I believe is, which is that I think that I think my personal take on it. And maybe we'll talk about this at the end of the episode. Is I think Omega is just she's a clone, and she's through her interactions with the different characters in the Bad Batch, I think she's waking up to her own enhancements. Um, and I like that. Like how she's kind of like figuring out how to use the gas mask and she's figuring out how to track with Hunter and she's, you know, and like, I thought that was really mm-hmm. very interesting. Um, but the story part itself, like, you know, was, was, yeah, it was okay. 
Did you notice the uh, music when they're kind of outside the ship trying to inspect it and like the creature hasn't come up yet? It had the same little beats as as Alien, the Alien music, like the theme of like the. Oh no! Yes, I had just watched Alien recently and I picked right up on that. I think that was a full-on nod to Alien because their vibes were very similar. That's great. I like there was also part. a lot of a lot of people pointing out that that had very similar vibes to the Empire Strikes oh, Back yeah. scene. With yeah. the, oh, the Minox. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I would say that that that's kind of where my likes and dislikes were. So we will hand it over to David. Cool. Yeah. Um, I kind of like like this episode uh, for more than one re- more than one reason. I really kind of like what they did with Camino. Um, kind of like what you were talking about, Sean. How there's not that much really that we know of that goes on post-Republic and being able to see the transition from how they're phasing out the clones to the recruited stormtroopers being able to see that I think it's just really cool um, and it, it, it explains a lot too compared to like you had talked last time Justin about how the clones how they were you know more accurate better with military stuff than the stormtroopers are a little more no wait it was you Sean how the stormtroopers were a little more police force rather than strict military and this episode I think kind of shows how that's slowly getting to that point I actually thought that the whole showing with the moon and Hunter and them I think it's actually setting up something to be a lot bigger than what we think is happening other than just character development I think there's something that happened in that plot that's going to lead to something big with um, one of the characters? Yeah. yeah. I totally forgot about that. Are you talking about Wrecker? Yeah. 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 I totally forgot about that. Yeah. Like, How, yeah, he was complaining about having headaches after the crash. Yeah, that it was, he hit his head right where his chip is. Yeah. And is he going to flip mm-hmm. the wrong way or the right way with that? I'm actually kind of glad someone picked that out other other than me. Because um, otherwise I'd have like this, I thought, okay, so I watched this at like 4.30 in the morning with my roommate <laughs> before work. We, oh. we, we watched it twice and I'm sitting there. I think I know where this is going. Mm. Write notes down. Oh, they could do that too. Write that down. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, I think that's where it's going to lead. I think that the whole crash, the moon, the dragon, get the part was for character development and for or character development for Omega, and then with Wrecker, with him bumping his head, and the chip. Mm. I think is going to come become active. It's, to some yeah. certain degree. Especially because Tech's working on that chip tracker thing. Yeah, and scanner. Probably, like, when they scan his, they might see his going higher or whatever. It seemed to, for now, only turn him into a big soft teddy bear. Because he, <laughs> he went out of his way to make her a little room, you know? So like yeah. it's turning him into a sweetheart. Yeah. For now, maybe he'll flip yeah. the other way. I don't know. I think that's that's setting up the tragedy of it. Yeah. Like, yeah. As far as, like, um, like Crosser, I actually kind of like how... The tampering with with his inhibitor chip and them experimenting on him is really showing the difference between how the clones were in the Republic and the now Empire, with how they're way more brutal, more do this or this is going to happen, mm-hmm. <clears throat> to where you're getting that mm. that ruling the galaxy rather than. I guess you could say reconquer the galaxy from the separatists and then restore what the Republic was. Um, yeah, like, did no one give thought to, like, oh, there, we, this war is upon us, and oh, Enter Stage Left is this giant clone army, 
and no one was like, okay, well, when this war is over, what's going to happen to these clones? Like, are mm-hmm. you going to dispose of them all? Or, like, suddenly you have this giant, powerful, experienced army and well-armed at our disposal. If we, if we win this war, we have this giant Republic army. No, I, no one other than Palpatine obviously gave thought to that. I mean, that was his plan all along, but, it, it's, yeah, <laughs> that should have been thought about when you're making a giant army. What kind of retirement funds were they planning on for these guys? I mean, yeah, they might have just been planning to just hold I don't think Palpatine was too concerned about benefits. <laughs> no, no. But I actually liked um, one of the parts that Tar- Tarkin and um, the other Imperial would talk about. Part. Yeah, they're having, they're planning this to have the exper- real experienced clones train the recruits, mm-hmm. which in Legends, that's exactly what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, like, the best example is Commander Cody. Now, after the Empire took over, like for the rest of his life, that's all he did was train recruits. Mm. And there's a lot of complaints he had with how they're not as good as clones. <clears throat> they didn't have the training, the gear, and they just lacked that, whatever it was that the clones had together that made him such an elite fighting force. Mm. Um, and one last thing with uh, Camino. Do you guys think, I know I'm, I'm going to be jumping ahead because we're, we're still going through our di- likes and dislikes, but with what they're setting up with Kamino, do you guys think we could get a clone revolt, like in mm. um, the Battlefront game, and then enter in a young Boba Fett and, a, and Darth Vader at the end? Oh, that'd be interesting. Yeah, that, that there is a big possibility of that like working. That I think that's where like we're they going. They would revolt against their inhibitor, like some of their inhibitor chips would get blocked from continuing to take orders, or the the Kaminoans would reprogram them away from the Empire. Yep. Yeah. Like sabotage it or whatever. Interesting. Oh, so you're saying like like the Kaminoans would orchestrate a yeah. revolt through yeah. the, through the clones. I mean, they've already proven that like they're not against helping like they you know like, like the Omega. Kept, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like that's they're not if above playing sides like that right now because they're trying to yeah they're trying to figure out where they sit in this new order, this new world order. They're mm-hmm. trying to walk that line right now with the same business, as you said. Yeah, and in the, the first Battlefront game, it was the Kaminoans, yeah, they basically had a side hobby of raising a clone army to fight the Empire. Empire found out, 501st goes in with Boba Fett and basically cleans the slate, and then that's when the Emperor's like, all right, no more clones, we're recruiting. So I think they're, I, I personally think they're going to try to work that in somehow. Is that where Vader gets his no disintegrations policy from that event? <laughs> that, that could be. <laughs> that would be. I want to see that. I want to see that event that makes Darth Vader go, hey, tone it down, guy. You know what I mean? <laughs> there wasn't really too much I didn't like other, maybe just the pacing on the moon after they crashed. The pacing seemed a little slow. But I think, yeah, just the character development for for Omega and then the chip with Wrecker. I think that's what's going to set stuff up. Hmm. So, yeah, not not too much to dislike, in my opinion. All right, cool. All right, Justin, likes and dislikes? Um, most of them have already been said or um, explained. But um, in general, um, I really liked what they did with Crosshair. But I did find the other story with uh, the bat, rest of the Bad Batch and Omega to be a little bit lackluster. Um, but it wasn't, like, insufferable. Um, 
I, I was I was kept entertained for the time being. Um, but what I really, really strongly liked was uh, what they did with Crosshair. So after the first episode, we kind of have like this hope that uh, Crosshair is like not a full-blown bad guy at this point. But this is kind of just proving otherwise. <laughs> and it's kind of testing your uh, faith that he can like come back or be his like normal self. Will he be able to be his normal self afterwards? Mm. That that's what I'm that's what I'm kind of taking away from this episode. Um, there's like this moment um, that like where they come back to Camino, the mission is done, and uh, the new re- replacements are in the same mm-hmm. like take resident in the same uh, mm-hmm. uh, barracks as uh, as uh, the original Bad Batch crew, and you kind of just see him looking around and he's like, huh. And then yeah. he then he sits and then he's just thinking, and it's like okay, what? It, wonder what he's is he just brooding or is he like, what? Why is this hat? What the heck's going on? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, just loved that scene. Um, uh, very strong dislikes. Um, I'd probably say, out of all the Bad Batch crew, we're still kind of sidelining Tech and Echo, Echo more so, mm. which. Um, and, and, and I feel like the episodes, like, the last couple episodes have been kind of desperately, like, trying to find something for Echo and Tech to do. Uh, just to kind of stay relative to the story. And uh, part of me is like, uh, I, w- I think they can do a little bit better than that. But, uh, well, but we're still, we're still a little bit early with uh, Bad Batch, so we'll just have to wait and see. Mm-hmm. Also, um... The um, story with uh, Hunter and Omega, I I, I like that. Uh, fine, I mean, there as as Sean said, there was no pair, like the peril wasn't like strong enough for uh, me me to be like scared for these characters. But at the same time, it was like, oh, we get to learn a little bit more about these characters. We get to learn that um, Hunter still has like this deep regret about leaving Crosshair behind. But at the same point. Is is there a chance that he's gonna come back? And and that's and and I love how that's not just Hunter thinking that it's the rest of the crew thinking that as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, that's pretty much my likes and dislikes of the episode. Yeah, I think I think that's it. You brought up a really good uh, point for the entire episode. Crosshair is just being amplified in his evil, but that one little moment where he's just kind of like having that thought like oh this this is different or these aren't you know or what you know um and i think it just it just speaks like even as we're all talking about this like there's just some incredible character development and storytelling going on in this up in these in these shows and that's becoming mm-hmm. more and more evident mm-hmm. like they're they haven't really ever they've every episode has managed to continue to to develop these these plot points and these characters and i think there's just those brilliant little ways that they do that throughout the, the episode. That's just incredible. Um, all right. So those were likes and dislikes. So then we'll just do an overall like episode rating on a scale of one to 10. What was your rating for episode three, Sean? Mm, it averages to seven, but it has, it's like a five for the one plot and, you know, eight 
to eight and a half for crosshairs plot. So <laughs> if we're averaging it, it's to seven. Um, that's not going to be a skip in a rewatch. No, uh, but maybe fast forward the the moon plot. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, I, I really, I, I, it's, it's, it's this. This isn't interesting. I think it's clear, like that, that the, it's almost like two different episodes, and you're trying to balance those out. I think that for me, the parts, I think there was a like the 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 crosshair imperial storyline to me was so strong that I think it really pushes my feelings about the episode pretty far in a high level, and I think there was enough going on. Like you had some things in the Bad Batch storyline with, like even just the fact that uh, Tech was making that device to so that he can start researching on the chip. Um, Wrecker's head injury, um, Omega getting her own room. Those things like all kind of work together for me, and I think that I think that it really. I would I would say seven and a half eight for me in that episode. Um, but my, I, I try to go off of just my initial, my initial, how did I feel like the first time I yeah. watched it? And I definitely was, there was definitely parts of the Omega storyline where I was like, okay, like, just, eh, meh. But, but I think the, like I said, the Imperial storyline and the Crosshair storyline pushes that, I think, to like pretty much an eight, seven and a half, eight for me. David? I'd say same, seven and a half, eight. Especially with kind of what they're, what I think they're leading to on Camino. With the clones, the stormtroopers, yeah, and the story, just the overall storytelling. I'm gonna, yeah, seven, seven and a half or eight. Yeah, Justin. Um, seven, seven out of ten. Um, it it was a pretty good average episode, I guess. Um, and like part of me was like, okay, uh, I'm like maybe I'm a bit spoiled from like the first episode. Um. Which, that usually is the case. I mean, it happened with uh, uh, Clone Wars when the, fir- the first time I watched that, I thought, oh my gosh, this first episode's amazing. What's the next one going to be? Is it going to be as good? Eh, it was okay. Um, that happened with Rebels. I mean, Spark of Rebellion. I saw that in, in a theater uh, with a special group. Um, I was like, oh, that was kind of cool. And, and worth seeing on the big screen. So, uh, I wonder what the next episode is. That one was... Okay. Oh, so yeah, and I'm and I feel like I'm kind of getting that with uh, uh, Bad Batch as well. Uh, the first episode, probably some of the best Star Wars I've seen in a long time, and then I was like, okay, what's the next episode's gonna be like? Okay. Huh. Okay. So, so yeah, I, I'm kind of starting to see a pat a personal pattern uh, with this. So, um, but yeah, not, not terrible, not groundbreaking either. So yeah, there's that. All right. So we probably are in that seven to seven and a half range overall for everyone on this episode. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think, I think it, it is, I, um, I think the further away we get from the first episode, it'll help us to have a more neutral, cause it's, it is really hard to top that first episode. Like. From the first episode to the second episode was like, yeah, like huge drop off. But like, you cut the time in half and take away all the epic stuff that happened. It's hard to live up to it, I guess. Um, but yeah, just out of curiosity, as long as we're like rating things, like, how do you guys feel about this? If you can remember back to like 
how you felt after the first three episodes of The Mandalorian, season one. Do you feel... Oh, the end of episode three of Mandalorian season one was a very high point. Like, it's the Iron Man shot, it's, you know, it's that escape, where he goes back in to get Grogu and come out with Comes him. out with like, That was, like, a high moment. But then if I'm thinking the next episode, which I think is the the Endor planet, uh, like the, the village Sorgan, people. At the, the fish cell. farmers? Yeah. <laughs> then it was like, oh, no, what's going on here? And then there was, you know, three in a row, side plots or whatever, and you're like, but then they turn it around. But, yeah, I mean, and I guess episode three of season two was the the night owls thing, right? That's when we saw the night owls. Mm-hmm. Um, I think so. Oh, yeah, the... Uh, or not, yeah, the yeah, night no, owls, not, the... The other Mandalorians came yep. on that water planet. And oh, oh, they, oh, yeah, yeah, It was the yeah, heist yeah. of that ship. Like, that was a high point, too. So, I guess compared to that, this was still not there yet for me. Like, if we're just comparing three episodes in, this isn't hitting as many of the high notes as those other two seasons did for me. Yeah, my, my thoughts are kind of the same. I mean, there's... Um, I feel like Mandalorian, like, the first three episodes, they were just, like, hit on mark. Uh every every time uh like first episode like probably like one of the like best like shocking moments ever like i didn't think anything was going to top that and then the second episode was really good um and it's kind of just like accepting that shock from the previous episode and then the third one was like really really good it had like a good um it's like, and it had like a great ending for a start of, of an, an adventure. Um, but yeah, I feel, I feel like Bad Batch like d- doesn't hit those same beats in, in that way. I feel like they've kind of hit that like start off to the adventure part in the first episode. So do we know how many episodes this will be? I think there was conflicting reports initially. Yeah. 13 they're, and they're, 15 or something like that. I yeah. Because I mean, Mando's 10 episodes, right? At once, eight. Season two was eight episodes. Yeah. Okay, so eight. So maybe that's part of it. Is you would have paced differently with with an eight versus a twelve or fourteen episode series. Like they can slow it down with with the show. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe that's part of it. All right. Do we want to? Do we want to? Um, I'd love to talk a little bit about like. Would you? Do you guys want to mm-hmm. pivot to like? I was thinking either. Um, the Omega question. I have thoughts on that. Or possibly we could talk about, and if you guys have any suggestions also, the other thing I thought was, <coughs> is there's a lot of debate about just like, like the inhibitor chip and like, you know, how that works and what's going on with, you know, free will versus, you know, like I think this episode for me like really drove home, like they're driving home this reality that like, you have the bad batch over here and they're like really like they're they're making choices and then you have crosshair who's literally being programmed and then you have the new imperial recruits who are like just more they're more pro- on crosshair side they're like being programmed they're, in a different way right but they're yeah. being like you know recruited to behave that way mm-hmm. um, unless anybody else has any other hot topics they want to my thought about Omega and her abilities or her potential is that she might have been the first or her superpower might be a quick study like she might be able to really learn things fast which I imagine is the most cost prohibitive part of growing clones from embryos 
to like whatever takes seven years to go they grow like three times faster right or what they said so they become like you know young men within seven years and they have to do all this training and all the you know the courses and the robots and all that like if they could produce a clone faster but then they can just soak things up like a sponge faster then you can cut like you can run them out faster you can run them out of the production as it were mm -hmm. faster and so you don't have to feed them and house them for seven years you can just do half that and then they can just learn on the job as it were um better and faster and that she might be cause, yeah you're right she was she was picking up on all kinds of stuff real quick um she's like learning about her environment really fast for someone who's never been off that water planet she's she figured out like how to go track that thing in its hole and this and that and mm -hmm. i don't know she I don't know if that's just Mary Sue plot stuff or if it's like they're trying to show us like she's really quick at picking stuff up and I her, think her power is like synthesizing what she's learning really fast and applying it really I fast. think I, I tried to I didn't get to rewatch all three episodes but um, and this could this is a really interesting subject to me that I'm curious to hear what you guys think because like the more I watch and think about the first three episodes the more I am not on the force sensitive train at all. Like, mm -hmm. I don't think she's force sensitive. Yeah. I don't think this is a Jedi thing or a cloning Jedi traits. In a, I think they say, they actually say in the episode, they, I think Tarkin, I think it was Tarkin says, uh, how many of these clones do you have? And they said five and echo isn't one of them. So mm -hmm. it's the four bad batch and Omega. Mm -hmm. So her, what we know for sure is that she's just, she's she's a clone in the in the in the tradition of the bad batch and but if so she's a, she's, why is she a girl then why is she, <laughs> i lost you none of the other clones are girls as far as i know like they clone them all as boys don't they well Cause... to the best of my knowledge but i don't know if that's i don't know if that was the experiment i think i think she she clearly has the same enhanced traits that the bad batch has mm -hmm. that's but like I, is her gender was that a design for her or was that just like, do they destroy female clones that come out when they're trying to make batches of embryos and they destroy the girl ones and keep the boy ones? I don't think they... And they kept her. I don't think they, they have that uh, margin for that's her. A, I mean, she's the only girl there. That's what's interesting right. to me. Like, she's the girl clone of Jingle Fett, right. which is strange. I mean, that could be purely just... They just made a decision to do a female character, I'm guessing. Yeah, I don't know if they're going to explain it or not. I might have the Legends answer for this. <laughs> see if it's uh, recanonized before here. you go there what, what are your thoughts David on like force sensitive versus like or what are your thoughts on just like Omega who she is or what she is I'm, I'm kind of leaning your way as far as she just has enhanced traits and then as she learns it it just kind of becomes active um, I think that's more logical than just being like oh she's force sensitive um but that would make sense with some of the stuff that we're seeing with her too. So maybe just being able to read the motion in the room is something she can pick pick up on. Um, but I'm definitely starting to think more of, yeah, she just has the traits, some of the traits of each member of the Bad Batch. Um, but as far as like the DNA of Django and that, in Legends, I'd have to look it up, make sure I'm 100% correct, but near the end, of the Clone Wars, uh, Jango's template was starting to, I guess you could say, run dry, which is kind of like what they were talking yeah, about. Deteriorating. Yeah, it was deteriorating. So they added to that. Mm. So that could have been, they were just trying to find something was missing within that Gino or whatever, and they just started grabbing stuff, 
kind of like you're making something in the house. You're like, oh, I don't have whatever, whatever. Oh, but I got this and this. I'll just quick throw this in. Yeah, it'll turn out right. Well, we know how that turned out in Jurassic Park when they used raw DNA. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so maybe, I mean, literally, that would be a funny nod if they were like, oh, yeah, it, there was deteriorating, so we were throwing in some extra material, and a girl came out, but maybe that creates, like, instead of a crazy dinosaur, and she, like, they don't know what they made out of whoa! it. Whoa! Like, whoa, we weren't expecting that. And not even they knew that. That'd be funny if they kind of, like, gave a nice nod to Jurassic Park from that. <laughs> the, o- the only thing that... It would be kind of cool to see something like that, but at the same time, when you look at like the uh, Clone Commando books, um, I don't know if you guys have gone through those, but those some of the Commandos were actually defective clones, and mm-hmm. the Kaminoans were going to terminate them. But then Jango and Kel Scribe were like, no, we're taking them, we're training them. Then they became Clone Commandos. Hmm. So the Kaminoans are definitely rather harsh, and they don't sit well with defective products yeah they, these are their product in their factory in there you know except the, that they're, they're sentient beings well, yeah. <laughs> but i mean if it's a clone, that you know, one's not good take them out back quality control but that's a whole ethical thing of like <laughs> like if you clone one being and make clones of it like what are your ethical obligations to a clone right of, versus a human who's a combination of two different dna strands like is a clone a human being right in the same moral regard as I mean, I don't know the internal morality of Star Wars, how that works, well, but like, in our, if it was our world and we cloned a human, and they would, before they ever got to cloning a human, they'd have to figure out the ethics of like, is this a person? Does personhood apply to a clone or not? And then, because obviously it doesn't, the Kaminoans are just like, dispose of this, dispose of that, and it's like, oh, we have this many error, this error rate, and we have these defective ones, and they just kind of treat it like scrap metal or like, oh, this car didn't turn out right. And they don't they don't see it as a person as an individual, which well, is the point. They're not. They're like. Well, even said it in the. Yeah. I think that's. Episode. I think in the in the context of Star Wars, we're never going to get that deep philosophical yeah. dive. But I think generally speaking, I think it's pretty explicit from the Clone Wars. Like Yoda says, you know, you are all one. You're beings in the Force. Like, there's no question that that the clones in the Star Wars universe are on equal footing with any other sentient being or or human. Um, well, that's according to Yoda. Well, I'm Does saying, really I'm, not saying I'm saying it, come, so so I think we as Star Wars fans in in the in the context of the values of the Star Wars universe, I think that that's that's pretty clear. There may be there may be other people who have different opinions, but like I think that's that's the morality tale we're being told. Kind of like no one's outside the Force because the Force right. is around and binds. Right. Like you have equal value yeah. as in the Force or yeah. in the eyes of God, you could say, mm-hmm. as anybody other any other person right right um justin do you have thoughts on omega um i i was i was just kind of thinking on like the whole clone discussion and like yeah i uh, like looking at like all the star wars content that we had uh especially with uh some segments of the mandalorian you can tell by uh bo katan's like uh reaction to boba fett as like a clone you're like your donor like right. you, you, you kind of get the sense that clones are not very uh, looked like upon as like high like uh, standard people, right. mm-hmm. not legitimate children, mm-hmm. pretty much. And then, um, like in the uh, one scene in uh, uh, Five's arc in season six, at that uh, uh, clone bar where uh, where Five's is like hiding out, and uh, like the taxi driver. Uh, drops him off. He's like, "Oh, are you gonna pay me?" He's like, 
uh, Billet to the Republic. <laughs> and, like, you, you get this sense that, like, people, like, look at clones as, like, people that are just, like, benefiting off of the government. Right. Um, and, uh... Interesting. Yeah, that, that's, uh... And then, like, then also in, within Bad Batch, you kind of see that as well. Uh, with the one guy, which they still haven't said his name. I guess it's not important now in the long run because he got shot by Crosshair. But he like he was like out for Crosshair's job. Like he was like dude, like. So was that the the guy who kept the guy who was ribbing him? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Is the yep. guy who he shot? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So. Because <laughs> yeah, they're kind of doing a sort of the Rambo storyline a little bit. Like what they can do with these clones. At post the war is they can do the whole post Vietnam War Vietnam veteran kind of thing like what am I like what am I supposed to do with my life now and you kind of saw that in Rebels when you when they re-encountered Rex and all them they've just been hanging out or whatever um, but you know the the Rambo from First Blood right he's just a guy trying to get a lunch rover and then that cop just pokes him too many times and he flips mm-hmm. his switch and he, his programming kicks in so Crosshair is kind of a, a Rambo in that sense <laughs> like he's getting all the the trigger words going off, or like Winter Soldier, like you said, right. he's getting all the he's getting programmed to do this stuff, and uh, doesn't turn out for the so well for the cops in that town in Washington for Rambo. We're gonna need more <laughs> body bags. Remember that, right? Then, he, yeah. but yeah, it's interesting. One th- last thing I w- I was wanted to bring up with Omega because at the end of the third episode, there's that conversation between the two Kaminoan characters, and they're talking about like, okay, we've got a We've got to basically come up with uh, a better product to try to convince the Imperials not to mm-hmm. go over to recruits. And then they say something about Django's sample mm-hmm. depleting. And then they say, well, we need, I think they say something like, so the, the one that we need isn't here or something like, we got to get it back. Um, and the only yeah. is the Bad Batch. Now, the problem with that interpretation, and I'm not sure if I'm understanding it correctly, is because Crosshair is there, and he's one of the Bad Batch, so they could mm-hmm. just... I think they need Omega, but then why did they let her go? Maybe they had to let her go, then, well, knowing they needed her back eventually. Maybe or because... The circumstances change now. Well, I mean, I think they let her go. I think they maybe maybe she they let her go because they realized... Like, when, at that moment, like she if she didn't get away, she might have been killed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they may have just... And they didn't really know what Tarkin wanted yet. Right. And now they do. And now they're like, well, we need... Yeah, I took that. When they, when they said that, I'm like, oh, yeah. They want her back. Her or the Bad Batch. Yeah. Somebody like, in Again, that. everyone's converging. Like, Crosshair and the team is wanting Bad Batch for one reason. And the Kaminoans want her for a different reason. And they might work together until the right moment when the Kaminoans, like, get what they want or try... Right. Yeah, they can... Again, they're scattering this plot to get... Yeah, it feels like it feels like that's and then and then the time that we spend with the Bad Batch, right, makes us more and more sympathetic to them and connected Mm -hmm. to them, and then the forces all around them are are, you know, the bad stuff that's happening. I guess you could say, but um, even again as as we're talking about all this stuff and like, I mean, just trying to break down a. 30 minute episode and it feels like you just barely scratch the surface I think speaks to like just generally speaking I think like this is this show is really doing some yeah. some really good storytelling and like world building and 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 mythology and 
it's, it's baloney for you. It's really, really mm-hmm. good. Mm-hmm. Really good. I'm. I think my overall like it's just it's just I continue to be. It continues to exceed my expectations, yeah. which is really pretty cool. And like to go meta with it, I'm glad that the like Disney is doing sequentially. Like they're not just throwing a bunch of stuff and it's all shallow and it's like we're gonna hit you with a volume of Star Wars content all at once and you just so from a fire hose it's like we're gonna do things really well deep at a time and we'll release it at a time so they did Mando and they're doing this and then we'll do Book of Boba Fett and and part of it's like keep subscribing right, right sure <laughs> but the mm-hmm. other part is like we're gonna Mirage is gonna like flood you with content that is shallow but hey look at all the flashy stuff for Star Wars it's like we're giving you your servings, like we're bringing out the main courses as we go instead of just mm-hmm. the buffet style. I like that. Yeah. So far, so far, they're Mandalorian, Clone Wars season seven, and Bad Batch. Yeah. I mean, I think they're doing. Yeah, they're a good really track record. <laughs> doing pretty well on the on the on the streaming service side mm-hmm. as far as Star Wars goes. It's kind of carrying the water at this point. It's the mm-hmm. only thing keeping Star Wars going yeah. right now until they have more movies or something. Mm-hmm. All right, so uh, that will so that will be it for us for uh, the Bad Batch meetings. Catch you all later, and may the force be with you. Always. Always.